Hey everybody, thanks for downloading this episode of the Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. You can find us on Twitter under Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Gmail, Network at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook on our page there, Chicago Podcast Network. And most importantly, you can support the show by downloading and subscribing to this podcast and all Chicago Podcast Network podcasts through iTunes, Android, and any other device that you use. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks, everybody. And here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the debut edition of the Chicago Podcast Network's out front with AJ and Nick. I'm stealing his show title name. Uh, this is a new little endeavor that we're trying out here. This is our first real recording. We've got the Sinatra going just to loosen things up, make us feel like, you know, the romantic people that we truly are. I am Nick Sarantos, joined over the internet by my good buddy AJ. AJ, how you doing, buddy? Good, how are you, buddy? I'm good. So are you excited to be doing the Chicago podcast with me, even though you're in Quincy, Illinois? I am. I mean, this is something that's a much need in Chicago. I mean, there's, I don't think there is such a network and everything. I think what we're doing here is going to be awesome, and I'm hopeful I'm looking forward to it. other people joining us and the kind of content that we're going to put out. Just to let people know, we're listening to me and AJ, or AJ and I, sorry, Grandma, for the first time. Uh, he and I have worked together before at a radio station. It was Gorilla Radio. We seemed to have some talking chemistry and didn't really like the direction that the place was headed and have decided to kind of take that show into a different format, kind of play with it a little bit, and uh, cover the issues that we find important for the amount of time that we deem necessary. There's no... Uh, time limit. We're going to try to shoot for basically an hour uh, when we do these and talk about the stuff that we find important. And I would be, well, derelict in my duty, shall I say, AJ, if I did not ask you about the story that has been all over the news for a period of about two weeks now involving the woman out of Kentucky, the Kentucky County clerk, who has been refusing to issue marriage licenses to homosexual couples to the point where she was jailed for so and then released to a hero's welcome. I assume you're familiar with this story. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is news to me. Right. (laughs) Let me ask you something. When this story, this story is about a month old when you get right. I mean, it's a couple, like the whole thing, but the story itself is about a month old. Right. When it first broke, I honestly was shocked that she got locked up. I kind of expected that they were just going to let her get away with it. Were you shocked that she got locked up? I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised that they arrested her. Um, but. Well, it was also what I was surprised about is how much media play she was getting. I mean, there there is a shiny factor to it and everything, but but we've heard this story before, and what I'm trying to figure out is why her situation is kind of you know, in this grandiose scheme. Yeah, she's an elected official, she has religious um, backgrounds and everything, but 
why her among anyone else? Because, I mean, this is what's happening and everything. Yeah, we're kind of post-Supreme Court decision right now, which is that's a layer to factor in. But I think there's something more to it than just um, her not giving licenses out, I feel. Well, there's there's the underlying prejudice and, 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 I, and I make no qualms about this with the Chicago show. I make no qualms about this as saying that there is a southern prejudice that exists against homosexuals in these mm-hmm. kinds of situations. And my issue with it, though, believe it or not, is very little to do with actually civil rights. It has to do with people doing their, their jobs, man. You right. know, and I just realized we're on a podcast so we can swear. So I'm going to say people doing their damn jobs, man. They, they... She took this job as as the clerk. You're saying she's elected. Is she an elected official? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's no official. different than if a cook for a Cook County clerk. Correct. Okay. She gets this job, and now she's enforcing her religious views on anybody else. When I knew that you and I were going to be talking about this, I decided to do some research a couple hours last night about the history of the separation of church and state, founding fathers, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Because I like to use the stuff that the conservatives use when they're arguing against these kinds of things, the idea of we're a Christian nation. We're not. We're not. We're not a religious country. We are a secular country. Right. And it, and it bothers me so much that we are constantly inundated with people who want to impose their religious views, not understanding that the greatest strength of America is that we are willing to accept multiple points of view. I went in and I found this great quote from uh, Thomas Jefferson, and I know that it's fun for me to be the one to do this, but it's just, I, I was really very interested to see how this kind of thing comes out. And so here, this is from Thomas Jefferson. The legitimate powers of government extend to such acts only as are injurious to others, but it does not injure me for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no god. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. That, to me, is the defining thing of freedom of religion. You can worship anything you want so long as you're not robbing anybody or or hurting them. Right. And if I'm a homosexual Muslim, I've got a lot of problems to begin with, but if if I'm a homosexual Muslim and I go in to get a marriage license, my religion doesn't stop me from getting married to the man that I love, theoretically. Right. So why do you have the right to say anything to me? You are in a government job. The separation of church and state is supposed to be sacrosanct. And it really scares me that we are now at this point where people are are taking up for this. I mean, I went on and I went through the internet uh, black hole that is conservative websites last night. The Blaze, Breitbart. I mean, it and you was, to, and you live to tell about it. And I live to tell about it. I mean, it's it's questionable. Living is 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 questionable. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gone down the conservative website hole just to like do op- uh, oppo- opposition? Rep- I've read Brett Bard. I've listened to conservative talk radio when I'm driving. Um, consciously watching Fox News um, just because I want to know that side of the argument and everything. But sometimes you have to put the brakes on because of the jargon and the crap they put out. <laughs> right. Well, and we have the same issue on the left, if you think about it. I mean, as, 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 as a longstanding leftist, you know, there are, there are plenty of things out there that take it to the further, to the extreme to that side, too. 
But I, I, I find myself with this story in particular very afraid of the long-term implications of it because it's part of this religious freedom law. We passed one here uh, in 1998. It's a very different religious freedom law. Uh, it actually does the opposite of what the laws down in the South are starting to say. But I don't understand how conservatives, you know, limited government conservatives, can then put in regulation that basically support a religion. It, it goes against not only the fundamental teachings of their party, but also the fundamental teachings of their religions. Mm-hmm. So with you, you're down a little bit further south than I am. Is it... Are you in an environment now where people are more supportive of that kind of thing? Well, I mean, well, really, I'm more west of you than south, and right. here in Nixon, Illinois, and everything. And it is, you know, I call it Dixississippi half the time because that's what we have. We have people who are from the south who have settled here and everything, and there's still that, you know, old southern mentality. And they, too, would like, you know, the religion not to be fringe upon and say, you know, homosexuality is bad and all that great stuff. And it's, and it's really sad because I just don't understand why you want to infuse religion and government together because this is a recipe for atrocious things. You know, so, I mean, how do you blend between um, government helping the public and religion being there to help one on their path, life's path, you know? You know, because government's not supposed to do that. Government's supposed to be there to help us when we need that kind of assistance, whereas religion's only supposed to be there when we're down emotionally, down spiritually and everything. I don't look towards James Madison for religious purposes. You know, I'm going to look towards him for public service purposes, you know? Right. Um, it's just, it just boggles my mind. And I just get such a headache when trying to think about this, especially when Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz was down there with Kim uh, Davis. Oh, my God. You have major party members for the Republican Party standing there with a woman who is essentially committing an act of sedition. Yeah. You know, you, to me, you can't have a government functioning where people's personal beliefs are the cornerstone of what they do. I, again, in the conservative whole of, of websites, I, I went into this one article that I found, and it was somebody discussing how if you were to be, how did they put it exactly? If all Christians were forced to make a choice between defending their faith or serving in government, there would be no Christians left in government. Mm -hmm. Which to me is insane. Because you can be a Christian but still serve other people's religious beliefs. There is nothing in the teachings of Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism that say that you can't interact with people of different faiths. The extremes of those religions say that. Right, but there's nothing in the actual religion that says, "Oh, by the way, if you, you know, speak to somebody who's Jewish or you speak to somebody who's Muslim, suddenly you're you're going against God." That's the stuff where I'm like, I, I just, and 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 it it becomes part of a bigger issue. We we face a little bit of it here in in the city, 
Not so much because Chicago is such a liberal town in many ways. Right. But outside the city, though, like even up by me, you get this very conservative viewpoint of, well, this person's just standing up for what they believe. You can believe whatever you want, but you still have to do your job. My favorite thing, by the way, since this whole thing has started with her, was I don't know, have you seen all the internet memes going around about different mm-hmm. stuff? Did you see the Agent mm-hmm. Scully one? Yes. Yeah, she doesn't believe in UFOs, but still does her fucking job. Again, we can swear, AJ, so feel free. I know it's weird for us, but. Uh, um, no, that's my favorite one. My other favorite one is um, the outfit Kim Davis wore before she went to jail that looked almost exactly like Kathy Bates in Misery. I saw that. That was that was high that was high quality art. <laughs> I mean, I mean, here's the thing: when you have people like Huckabee and Cruz who say, you know, our religion has been fringed upon and we don't, no one's tolerant of our religion, but... White men have it so difficult in this country. But yet they went out, I'm assuming they got a permit to have a big media event in front of the correctional facility they gotten police officers to be there as security and everything. And under the First Amendment, they could express publicly what they wanted to say and assemble and conduct their religious acts and everything. So for them to say, you know, our religion is being infringed upon is such a farce. And it's more about what's really being infringed upon is they're not getting any money out of it, that they're not getting any media time for it and everything. They are not being supported by those who should be supporting them and everything. Um, that's where I think where the problem lies. I think this is more about a, a financial aspect and a spectacle than it is more about religion. Because if this is really about religion, then they Huckabee would be holding more town hall or forums to talk about, you know, why his Christianity is being infringed upon and what his Christianity talks about and everything. You know, that's a good point. If you're going to stand out there on the streets and yell about how your religion is being suppressed or you're having your rights uh, taken away, show me. Show me how your rights are being affected right now. Like you said, that's actually a great point. You know, these are I'm willing to bet that there are plenty of people who work in in that government who did not want to issue permits to Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz to have public events. But you know what? They got their permits. And I'm willing to bet at least somebody in that office, I mean, I guess that's not a fair thing. It is Kentucky. But I'm willing to bet there's at least one non-Christian who works somewhere in the government involved in that process. You know? Well, and, I mean, go ahead. I mean, just if it was a Muslim... Yeah, you no. Know, or, I, mean, could, I mean, could they have gotten a permit? <laughs> could they I mean, or, or God, security and everything? God forbid a Tibetan Buddhist or, dear gasp, <gasps> an atheist. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where you, they make these, these grandiose statements, especially on the conservative side, and have no facts to back them up. And, and, and I'm, you're forced to have to sit there and listen to these guys. First of all, the idea that Mike Huckabee is is even in the political race, being the crazy person that he is, is, is a joke. You know, it, it's it's the equivalent of five years, the next election when Glenn Beck decides to run. He's Glenn right. Beck 
now and then Glenn Beck in five years is Huckabee. I mean, it's just, it, it, it makes me, I'll tell you the truth, man. It makes me so angry to see people out on the streets using Christianity to put out a message of hate. You know me. I'm not a very religious person. I ain't exactly, you know, a Bible thumper or somebody who follows the rules of church, of the church. But I've had good experiences with church. I've had bad ones, but I've had good ones. And it's not a, a religion of hate, and yet it's used to, preju- to be prejudiced against people, to discriminate right. against people. And that just offends me to my core. And No, I mean, that's a... And- and it kind of offends me. I mean, I grew up Catholic, but, you know, I guess if someone wants to identify me as a Christian, that's fine. Um, but if you're going to say this is what Christ said, well, what Christ did, and we're talking about Christ, let's talk about Jesus. Um, Jesus did the most radical thing ever. Love one another. Yeah. That's the most radical thing that happened during the time Jesus was alive. You know, the idea of how about we work with the poor? How about we work with the less fortunate? How about we actually love one another despite if they have money or not? And what also Jesus said was, was take down this colony called Rome and push them out from our city because they're actually being more of a detriment to our society than helping us in everything. But no one wants to talk about that aspect of Jesus. They'd rather talk about, well, this is what Jesus wants, and let's talk about the Old Testament. And that's it. They don't want to talk about any other parts of the sausage other than the good parts of it, you know? And you and I have talked about this scene multiple times. I've used it on my show. You've used it on your show. The famous West Wing episode, you know? And Yeah, somebody put that up on Facebook in response to this whole thing. And uh, it it started the 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 damaging thing of me going to West Wing on Netflix and autoplay. <laughs> so I have in the last two weeks watched the entire West Wing. I'm in the middle of season five. Oh wow! Which is right after uh, Aaron Sorkin left. It's very sad. And like you, I get like this. You know, I always feel amazed at what's going to happen next, even though I've seen it before. Yeah, it's like. What's Josh going to do? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I remember this. Yeah, I'm at the point in the show where it, it left, uh, it starts leaving behind actual policy discussions and then goes into, well, the daughter of the president has been kidnapped. <laughs> like, These are very different shows once, once they started doing that kind of stuff. And like I say, that was a very interesting turn when they did that. It's like, you know, the president's daughter's missing, and now we're going to focus more about the the drama rather than the actual inside right, government right which is when the show started to although I do love the last season the last campaign that they do I thought that was very right. well done anyway let's not I, I've been meaning to talk to you that we're going to start a West Wing podcast where we watch an episode and then just thoroughly discuss each episode how about we do that but you know like do like some like director's commentary like while I was, while it's playing we talk it's I mean like, that's fine but we can't release that. Then you, eh. into, then you get into sort of legal stuff. Eh. You're saying you're willing to be sued by NBC? I mean, it's not like they have the money or the ratings to, to listen, back up their courts. If NBC Universal, if we're on their radar... <laughs> we're doing something right? I mean... <laughs> you know, that's a fair point. 
I'm just saying. All right, if, fair if, enough. If you're paying attention to two of us, where one's in the Glenview area and I'm over here in Dixon, I mean, if they're paying attention to us two, I'm okay with that. Fair enough. Like, I would love to get sued. It means I've done something right. Right? So, I, you know, we were, you were talking before we got into the West Wing thing of the, the idea, really, but I went through and, you know, again, research last night because I'm, I'm a smart. Uh, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. The, the idea of love the sinner, hate the sin, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's something that most evangelical, because that's what we're talking about. When we're really, when you say Christian nowadays, you're not talking about Catholics or Baptists or Lutherans right. or Methodists. You're talking evangelical Christians, born or more simply put, born again Christians, people right. who have taken the Christian faith and kind of. Somebody explained to me last week how you do a reduction sauce, and that's you know you you basically cook it until all the excess stuff is gone. Right. That's what evangelical christianity is to me it's, it's it's christianity reduction you take away all the positive stuff and literally talk about hell sin do this give me money right but that last part is more emphasized oh yeah the, the well that's the george carlin bit of uh, he's all seeing all powerful all knowing just can't hold out of cash uh, he's he's all Man, powerful that's, Go ahead. that's the thing it's like you turn on to TBN or any of those guys, and this says, you know, for just $50. Well, did you see the... Your your sins will be healed. It's like, if $50 can heal me, I'm not going to you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, did you see the... You saw the John Oliver piece, right, about churches? It was was fantastic. It, it, It was right up there with everything else that he does as far as the power that he's got, and he... Does a very good job. The, the one I love is the one who talks about getting it. I think you and I talked about it when it first happened, but the the preacher who wanted to get a, a Gulfstream 5. Yeah, credit for a dollar, yeah. Yeah, give me, if you cannot stop me from getting a Gulfstream. I don't know if I can stop you, but I definitely don't think you should have one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just, there's there's something going on across everything right now where... Religion is being used to as a shield to to block people from being a. Did you see Colbert with Joe Biden? Yes. Those were two men who had a conversation, a very good, honest conversation about their faith and how it helps them, but without falling into the other pro athlete style of you know I give all thanks to God kind of stuff. Right. Like, they had a very honest conversation about faith, and those were two men who have both lost family members in their lives, you know, tragically, not just, and I, every time you lose a family member, it's tragic, but I'm talking su- well, sudden and violent. Yes. They, they did a very good job of getting that stuff a- across, and as time went on, and, and I'm watching it, I... I I just don't understand why people who are on the side of the evangelical Christian don't have that same mentality of that, that, yes, this works for me. This is a wonderful thing for me. It may not work for you. Or maybe you haven't been awoken to Christ yet or something. But that doesn't make me a bad person. And, and, and I find that this, this whole thing with this Kim Davis out in, in Kentucky, if you, 
it, it's that, you know what it is, AJ, what really scares me about this thing is that it's creating this thing that's going on everywhere in the United States with, here's my line on, in the sand, and I will not cross this line. And the more you do that, the more divisive you make it, the more impossible it becomes for people to work towards a solution. We see it in Congress, we see it in business, and now we're seeing it socially with this religious crap. Mm-hmm. Have you... I'm asking, have you personally had any interactions with somebody of that level of Christianity where it's been an unpleasant interaction, where someone's been overly aggressive trying to convert you? Yeah, there's been a few times in my life where I've actually gotten people that have come into my personal space and felt that they should tell me that... um, if I'm one with Christ, have I been one with Christ? Do I have a good relationship with him and everything? And when I say um, we have a different kind of a relationship and everything, and then kind of berate me about, well, you should be going to church, and you should be doing this, and you should be doing that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> because it's working for you, because you are interpreting a text that, is working for you in your life doesn't mean that all that works for everyone else, you know? And I mean, I consider myself a religious humanist, which means that I believe there's something greater beyond me and everyone else. I'm not calling it God and I'm not calling it Allah or anything like that. I'm calling it the universe. And because of that, it has pulled me away and pushed me into other places that I can't attest to. You know, like, I can't attest to why um, Turk, who was with the other radio station, asked me to be on the show, and then which led to you and I building a working relationship to us now doing this. You know, I can't say how that became to be other than that I was at the right place at the right time, but something directed me to that. You know? Yeah, no, the, you're talking about serendipity, just the idea of, right. you know, things tend to fall the way that they should. I, I, I get what you're saying with that. Um, I mean, I personally, just because I'm a nerd, I like to refer to it as the force. I believe in the force. I believe that, and, and when people go, oh, that's funny, how? I said, no, but how does Ben Kenobi describe the force, realistically? It's an energy field created by all living things. Why not? It's more believable to me than anything else. And, and, and it's just, but that's just me. That's just me right. being funny about it. And I was raised Irish Catholic, I'm, you know, and Greek Orthodox. I know my stations of the cross. Christ carries the cross. Christ falls down. Christ gets a McDonald's hamburger and then continues up the hill. I don't know, the whole thing. But right. it, it's, he's an American. Jesus Christ is an American, and he had McDonald's cheeseburgers on his way to the crucifixion. Okay. He skipped the fries. It's, he skipped the fries. He skipped the fries. He was watching his figure. It's very, very toned, very toned body. You know, you got that white, that white alabaster skin. You need to make sure. It's kind of hard to have a hole on your side. See, this is what I'm saying. The fries just come right out. I actually talked to somebody not too long ago about the idea of crucifixion in general, and my favorite thing about it is how evil the Romans were with it. Because I, I was trying to explain to somebody that I know the Stations of the Cross, and they're like, they weren't Catholic, so they were, well, what's the Stations of the Cross? And I'm explaining it, and I said, the number, like, 12 is Jesus gets stabbed. And he was like, what? what? I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the Romans. Like, not only did they tie you to a big piece of wood and leave you to die in the sun, but apparently some jackass came running up at the end of it and went, you know what? 
ah, and stabbed him right in the side. Like, just to be a jackass. Like, there was no reason for him to do it. The dude was clearly going to die, but you know what? No, I want you to just, you know, this seems really miserable. I'm going to make you a little bit more miserable. Here's a cut. They had to make sure. They had to make sure that did your job. <sighs> I don't, it's just, I, I went on, and, and I'm going through all these things, man, and I'm telling you, it's, it's, this stuff is scary. Like, here's 10, 10 questions for Kim Davis and, like, for supporters of Kim Davis and why we need to do so. Do you consider Kim, listen to this, you'll love this. Do you consider her a lawbreaker? Did you consider if Kim Davis isn't actually the person who broke the law? Who has violated the rule of law here? Is it Davis or the Supreme Court? If as many conservatives argue Oberfell versus Hodges is a legal abomination and there is no right to same-sex marriage in the Constitution, isn't Davis actually seeking to uphold constitutional order? Basic, yes. Basically saying that because if, if you believe that the Supreme Court decision was wrong, not only are you acting in accordance with your faith, but you are also acting within the accordance of the law because you believe that the Supreme Court's decision was unconstitutional. Because I'm sure that you, Kentucky County Clerk, is definitely more up on your constitutional scholar and law than the nine Supreme Court justices. Well, at least five of them. Well, that's the thing. You know, when this whole thing went down, I wanted to know more about how county clerks operated in the state of Kentucky. So I actually downloaded an actual um, manual that listed what county clerks did, appellate really? clerks. Really? Explain. I, I go with this for a while. I mean, I want, I'm curious. And, well, first of all, did you know she makes between 90000 to $100,000? Good for her. <laughs> first of all. I, I, I honestly, I'm one of those people who never complains about what people make. If you can make as much money as possible, make it. This well, is... It's, well, it's funny because in Kentucky they have like three different levels depending on your county population. So, um, Nolan County is about one hundred thirty thousand people in the entire county. So with her level, she makes between ninety and one hundred thousand dollars. Some say the high end of eighty thousand dollars. I'm just going to call it ninety. Um, so she has a good job. Okay, first and foremost. So she can afford attorneys. Secondly, um, there is nothing in Kentucky law that has no consequences for the county clerk. You know, so for something like this, there is nothing there for a judge to say, you know, we're holding you in contempt, you go to jail. There's nothing in there. There's nothing, no mechanism that the governor can do the county president can do, the county board can do. Um, so it's really this <clears throat> um, administrative law purgatory that she was well within her rights, but not really. She needs to do her job, but not really. So it's kind of like this interesting box. And when all her attorneys like, you know, she can act within her conscience, it's like, okay, so... I hear you on that, and I may agree with you based on what I'm reading, but should that still be the kind of conduct that you need to be doing when you're issuing licenses, you know, because uh, that's your job. <laughs> no, no I, I see what you're saying, but there's, you. I would argue that even uh, conservative Supreme Court uh, 
Oh, my God, my brain just completely froze. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, John Roberts, even during the Obamacare case, when his shocking ruling in favor of the Obamacare, where you're saying you are attempting to violate the the spirit of this law as it was presented by exploiting a loophole, we don't, you know what this law is supposed to mean. You are trying to get it thrown out on a technicality that doesn't really count. Right. And that was from a conserv- one of the most conservative Supreme Court justices in American history. That, doesn't that, don't you feel that kind of falls into this too? Like, sure, yeah. the, the rule book that you're looking at doesn't necessarily provide a guideline to it, but at the same time, you work in a county clerk's office. The way I look at it is this. If I walked into the Cook County uh, Court, and I, which I've done several times you know, to file stuff for my dad, and I were to walk in and I were to say, here's a great example, liquor licenses. First of all, this is the Chicago show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever need to get a liquor license in the city of Chicago, let me... Just tell you that uh, it is a long, drawn-out, year-long process where uh, you will eventually want to blow your brains out in the middle of City Hall. That being said, a liquor license is something that every business has the right to apply for. If you go and you get the liquor license application, you fill it out, and you were to be working with, uh, is it Seventh-day Adventists? Seventh-day yeah. Adventists who don't yeah. drink, smoke, none of that stuff? Right. Okay. Gets a job in the liquor department and just refuses to stop issuing liquor licenses. That is in that, that's just against the vi- that, that violates everything that we have there. Like you are in the liquor license department. You're not allowed to not give me liquor licenses because you've decided in the last two weeks that you're never going to drink again. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about when you get into Kim Davis, because you can have people, you know, as an example, you can have a, a, a Buddhist who doesn't believe in violence, who works for the you know Senate Armed Services Committee, mm-hmm. who then just shuts down you know military operations, which would be an amazing thing. But is you know you have that that same thing just because of what you personally believe. Your duty goes beyond your personal conscience. And if you are in a position where you are violating that, then your thing isn't to not do your job. Your thing is to leave the position. If she doesn't want to issue licenses to homosexuals, despite what the Supreme Court has said, then it's on her to leave the office. Wouldn't you agree? Well, right. And no, and, uh, and I fully support that because she needs to either resign or something needs to happen. That's the, that's the short answer. And what you and I are talking about is more on a government level, a little bit more on the private sector side. Here, not too far from my hometown, is a town called Morrison, where a pharmacist, and it was a a known Illinois thing for a a long time, this pharmacist chose not to give out um, the the morning-after pill. I heard about this, yeah. So, and because of his own religious beliefs and everything. Took it to court. Took it to the Illinois Supreme Court and everything. I met the guy. I've talked with this guy. He was in one of my business classes. And we've debated about this. To the point of, you know, why should your religion dictate to you on how to conduct your business? You know, um, because if you're, you're providing a service that someone needs something, you shouldn't be saying... Well, I'm not going to give it to you because of your poor choice, because you don't know the situation. You don't know her life. But yet you're going to be there playing pharmacist and not and say, you know, I am the high almighty. I can do whatever I want. So you can go to the next town over. 
Right. Well, to me, it gets even more beyond that, which is, like you said, that's private business. You know, it's a, but I would argue a, pharma, a pharmacy, you know, serves the public trust in a way. The other, but another example along those lines is those stories that from about 10 years ago, and they just kind of faded away, that the situation was never resolved. But those terrible stories of women who have been raped and due to trauma laws must be taken to the nearest available hospital. So they're taken mm-hmm. to a Catholic hospital, and they are you know, left there, and they're not given the RU486, and are then pregnant as a result of that, and then are forced to either go through a much more complicated procedure to have the, the, the abortion or to have the child, whereas it could have all been solved with a pill taken immediately following the incident. And at that moment, and you'd say, well, it's a Catholic hospital. They could do what they want. And I go, that's not the case. They, you weren't brought there. If you, if you choose to go to a religious hospital, that's different. But if you're brought into a trauma center, then it's on them to provide you all relevant medical procedures, not the ones that the hospital deem are, are relevant, right? Uh, right. So what's to say this on the same thing that we're talking about, what would happen if your dad, who's Greek, and I came to him for accounting purposes, and he's like, I don't, I don't work with Italians. I'm let's say, let's say you're Turkish, just for the fun of prejudice. Yeah, okay, let's go, that, let's go that stream. If I was Turkish, and he's like, I don't deal with them because of, you know, centuries of, problems we've we've been having everything he would be out of business would he not i would hope so but i, mean, I, 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 I although i will tell you this because now we're getting into the stuff that that's that's different for me i honestly as an example the 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 people out in indiana who refused to serve the cake for the gay couple yeah. i actually don't have a problem with that and i'll tell you why you can go to a different baker Right. I, I don't have a problem with somebody who's refusing service. I'm, I'm a strong believer that you should be able to refuse service in any work to anybody you want as a private business. I have no problem with that. It's the same reason why I felt that when the smoking laws went into effect, that they were up to the individual businesses. It should not have been up to the... This is where the conservative side of me is a little bit. If you're a private business, if you pay your business taxes, you pay your sales tax, you pay your licensing fees, you have a property and you have a business, you don't have to help anybody. You don't have to do it. It's a horrible way to run a business and God, you know, you will be run out of business. But that's, that's you know, if you're a conservative, that's the free market deciding that. I have no problem with a baker not wanting to make a cake for a gay wedding. I really don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is if... The, in the same town, they didn't want to issue the marriage certificate to the gay couple. You need that marriage certificate for all sorts of legal reasons. You don't necessarily need the wedding cake from that baker. You know what I'm saying? It's right. the difference between well, want and need. True, and it's a whole about supply and demand and everything, but if... You, so let's use a smoking ban, for example. Okay. That, you're right, in that it should have been up to individual businesses to do what they want. But that bill was also more about changing a culture, you know? So you're right in that if individual businesses choose they want to do, but if the collective of those individual businesses are keep, keep doing it, then you're not really changing anything you know so like in my hometown of 15,000 people well there's only six bars okay 
And we, and if the bill was okay, you can do whatever you want, but this is what this bill says. If those six bars are like, fine, and if all six bars are going to keep having people smoke in them, then you're not really changing anything. You're just having a toothless bill for the sake of having a toothless bill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I see what you're. Well, I, I just don't think that the bill should have ever even been introduced, only because. At that point in time, if you remember, and this is 10 years ago now, which is sad because I was old enough to drink then, but, it, it, you know, you, if you remember the, the climate then, it was already starting to change. When, when our parents were growing up, they, everybody smoked everywhere. There were ashtrays and everything. You know, you can still occasionally get on a very scary plane ride on like a DC-8 and see the ashtray still in the armrest, which, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast and you get on an airplane and there are ashtrays on the armrest, that plane is 30 years old. Do not fly on that plane. <laughs> um, <laughs> just saying. Just, I'm just, you know, public safety, the more you know. Don't fly on 40 or 30, 40 year old planes. My PSA for the day is don't fly on airplanes that have ashtrays in the armrests, unless it's a British Airways or something that's international. <laughs> Any domestic flights with that, if it's a 30 year old airplane, and there are all sorts of lobbying rules to make sure that inspections on planes are not what they used to be, don't fly on 30 year old aircraft. Um, but going back to the smoking thing, as, as an extension of all of this, I see what you're saying. I really do. The idea of a toothless law. That doesn't really change anything. But change in that scenario, we're not talking about a civil rights issue in that instance. We're not talking about prejudice in that issue. What we're talking about in that, like you're saying, is changing a culture. Well, I think that in that instance, culture was changing anyway. A lot of restaurants, I mean, if you remember when we were kids, you could smoke in Burger King. You know, you could smoke in McDonald's. As I got into high school, that got faded out. And it was slowly going away anyway and then you pass the law that just outright bans it my issue was is i knew a guy who owned a bar at that point his name was johnny he owned a bar in northbrook and he had spent years previous you know thousands of dollars putting in a really expensive air filtration system so that if people smoked inside the bar it got sucked up immediately like, you remember that like the modern air filters and bars from that time period were amazing and did incredible things. And to me, that was that's the compromise. That's the change to me. A private business decides it still wants to have smoking, but also wants to still have people who don't want smoke there. They develop a system in which it's either smoking section, non-smoking, whatever. But again, that's a private business. That is a private business. And most importantly, you don't have to go to the bar. I don't have to go to the bar. If we don't want stuff to go, you know, if you don't like Hustler, don't read it. If, if it's that it's that philosophy to me it's a private business if you don't want to make a cake for somebody because you're because they're gay fine you're going to lose out on an entire customer base of 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 gay people that's your business loss that's going to stop you from being a million dollar business down to five hundred thousand you know that that's your mistake at the same time going into a government office you need to be able to use those services you can't function as a business owner as an ex- if you but let's say the same thing let's take it a step further and go okay let's say the same gay couple goes in to apply for a business license to open up a bakery to a government office and they say well no we don't support homosexuals making cakes that's wrong 
Because it's a government thing. Because you can't open the business without the government thing. You can get cakes made other places. Is my point. You need When it comes to government services, it's a necessary thing. You can't get away without using it most of the time. You can get away with the other stuff. But private business is a private business. I don't care. If Kim Davis was a chaplain or whatever, I have no problem with what she's doing. I really don't. My issue is that she is sitting in the county clerk's office. You are subject to every constituent you have in your place. You are not just what is what's the line from the West Wing? I'm not the pres. I'm not just the president. Of, uh, I'm the president of the United States, not just the president of people who like me. Right. You know, you you're not allowed to just back up the people who agree with you. Being in government means working with people who you don't like. That's what it. That's 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 what government is for. It's a place where theoretically everybody's equal, especially in the United States of America. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich; you have the same access to the to everything else. Now, we all know that that's not true, but you have those options. Private businesses, to me, whatever you're, you can screw up your own your own stuff. I I, I don't know. Do you disagree with me completely on that? I don't disagree with you completely. I guess you know the only thing I'm hung up on is. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's clearly prejudice and wrong. It's morally wrong. But you can't hold businesses accountable, people accountable, legally for being morally wrong. They I haven't mean, hurt anybody. I guess it's, it's more about safe space, you know? That if I'm going to go to a mechanic, all right, and I'm gay, I should not be afraid of going to that particular mechanic, especially if they had high Yelp reviews and all that great jazz, you know, but they are just prejudiced bigots. You know, that's an interesting if, point that I never thought about. It. Like, let's say theoretically... You know, if this baker in Indiana was a well-rated baker among their competitors, and I happen to be married to my partner and we want to use your services then you're infringing my, the safe space that you're actually providing because at the end of the day, you're having a business, but also at the end of the day, you're also providing some sort of space for someone to utilize. I was talking to some people. We have a, a PFLAG chapter, and PFLAG is um, parents and allies who support um, the LGBT community. I was talking to a person here is like, you know, I can walk down the street and I can see somebody and kind of, you know, a short wave at them because I recognize them, but not a full hand wave because, we, it's, it's, in other words, it's almost like a very close-knit society here in Dixon. Okay. It's not a complete society where it doesn't matter if you're gay or Muslim or you're a radical in ideology, it shouldn't matter. But we all of us in society today have close-knit groups, and when we see them, it's kind of like, hey, how you doing? You going to meeting? You know that meeting? You going to meeting and everything? Also, like last night, I went to um, a recovery group of substance abuse last night, and it was the same theme there like those who go to AA feel ashamed they have to 
hide their car behind something else, have used the back door and everything. They don't feel that they can be out in society and say, I'm recovering okay. because of the stigma they have. So I guess what I'm, this whole thing I'm saying is about safe space and having a society that it shouldn't, it, I, I, if it's a baker, a mechanic, a school even. That school, wait, a, a private school or public school? Both. See, because that's when you get into it for me. A public school should have to take everybody, no questions asked. Private school, I don't care. You're private. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I get that that's a, a horrible distinction. To me, it's like the thing with uh, uh, Augusta National, right? Mm-hmm. Augusta National finally let in a female member to their club. She's the CEO of Microsoft, but it, I think it was Microsoft is what it was. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. Like, yeah. And they had a standing seat, whoever the CEO is gets the membership. The, but to me, I, listen, it makes me never want to go to Augusta. It makes me never want to play at Augusta. Go ahead. I'm going to say, so with your logic of a private business doing whatever they want, should they have not let Tiger Woods play? Theoretically, in that scenario, yes. They should not have let Tiger Woods play if that's what they wanted. But here's the thing. Then it becomes the job of the PGA Tour to simply say, well, then we're not playing at Augusta. I mean, because it goes back to the discussion we've had about the draft in Arizona. Right. No, I agree with you completely. It's just, and and I see see the argument that you're making there, but no, if Augusta didn't want Tiger Woods to play, they're a privately owned club back then, what was this, 97? Because that was a controversy back then. And no, if they didn't want him there, they shouldn't have let him play, which if I remember correctly, was said at some point. And the PGA basically said that, okay, that's fine, but then you're losing the Masters, and we're going to move what we call the Masters to a different golf course. And I had no problem with that because that's 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 the system working. You know, the thing is, is like the the, the going back to the gay baker in Indiana. You, you or <laughs> see what I did there? I uh, screwed that up, but there you go. But going back to the baker who wouldn't bake for a gay couple in Indiana, they don't serve that couple. It becomes public knowledge that they don't serve that couple. Eventually, I'd like to believe that society will catch up across the country, and that guy's just going to be out of business. Because everyone's going to know that he's a hate monger and not want to go there. That's the free market correcting itself. You force out the businesses of people who you don't want in it. However, the argument that you've made that really does kind of make me question this is the idea of, well, what if that's the best baker in three counties? Right. That's a different issue. And I don't have an answer for that. This is when this stuff starts to get complicated. Because I don't have an answer immediately for you for that. I really have to think about it. So I thank you for bringing that point up. Because it is. It's, it, it, the mechanic thing is what really made me think about it. Because let's say you go to a Hillerix, which around here is considered one yeah. of the better uh, mechanic shops. You go to a Hillerix. Well, we don't want to help you. Why? Because you're black. It's an interesting proposition. Because you then have to deal with the fact that, but you're the best. And I want the best. You know what? That's, I think you're right. I think in that scenario, you're right. The safe space rule does have to apply. Something of like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of them, Deluxer. They have a shop in Evans and they're an auto mechanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of them. And, but there's two gay couples who own it. You know, And that's what made me go to them when I lived in Evanston because it showed that not only they're open of who they are, but just this idea that, you know, 
we had this business and, and, and the undertone for me was anyone can come in here, you know, because there is that kind of harassment. Some people get, especially when you have certain, I'll just say it, grease monkeys who have a certain personality to them and everything. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, hesitant for women and going to people of color, those who are gay and lesbian or trans. Um, so that's why I went to the lecture because it, for me, it was a very open and welcoming space and everything. Cause I've been in some mechanics where it was kind of questionable at best, but, and even like the tone that they provide, it's like, mm, I'm not going to come here anymore <laughs> because of X, Y, and Z. Well, you know, I always remember when I was growing up, the auto shops that you would go to. That I'm very lucky now. My dad does uh, taxes for a couple of them that are really good. But, you know, the ripoff auto mechanic, too, kind of thing, where you would – and those are the kinds of people that, you know, eventually became the ones who wouldn't help a gay couple have their car get serviced. But also – but even all this, there is – there's. I think by us talking about this for the last 25 minutes here, we can see that at least with private businesses – there's wiggle room on this stuff. A little bit, not a lot, but there's discussion to be had. But I think we're both in agreement that when it comes to government services, there is no wiggle room. Oh, because no. it's a necessary function. You want to get married in, a, in, that, in that county in Kentucky. First of all, I don't believe that people should get... The idea that people get married simply because they're going to be in love and have children is a joke. Hysterically, you know this as well as I do. Historically, marriage was not about that at all. It was... Right. It was, it was a property deal in a lot of cases, but not only that, you look at the scenario in a situation like what's going on in Tennessee. Say that, let, let's play out a really extreme scenario here, AJ, and stick with me. I'm, I'm not hitting on you, but let's just go with this. You and I, let's say this podcast thing that we're starting right now, again, ladies and gentlemen, episode one, how you doing? Uh, if you and I were... Business partners, let's say this thing really takes off and you and I become, you know, inexorably linked because of our show together, right? Yeah. And 30 years pass, and one of us, most likely me because of how I live, gets very, very ill. And most of my family isn't available. Theoretically, I should be able to marry you simply for the idea of medical care. Mm -hmm. Because I want you to have, I want to be able to trust the person that is in charge of my medical care to have the same rights as a spouse. And I would do that for you. I appreciate it. And, you know, and it would be very, very, it would be the most loving non-sexual marriage in the history of marriages. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's sex involved. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't think there's enough. I, I, there is not enough lube on the planet to make us work together. I'm saying, I'm not a bottom. Let's think about that for a second. Oh, baby, it's fine. See, I went offensive with it. Um, but... If you're a gay couple and you want to get married for whatever reason, like let's say you're a couple that's been dating for a couple of years and somebody gets brain cancer and you need someone to have that legal responsibility or you want them to have, after you die, the legal you know, rights of your widowed spouse, those are important legal issues that can only be settled in a Cook County, I always say Cook County, in a county clerk's office. Right. You know, and you can't do it anywhere else. It's not like you can go to a different county clerk. You have to go to the one where you're at. And, and to me, that's where this discussion really, you know, starts to break down with seeing people standing on the street waving protesting signs in support of this bigot and acting like it's okay. And she is a bigot. That's the other thing that really bugs me about this is you have two 
not real Republican presidential candidates, standing on the street with this woman who clearly hates somebody because they are different than her. And it scares me, man, because that's, there are, you know, you and I have talked about this on our other shows. There are not many possibilities left for how this whole humanity thing plays out, right? Mm -hmm. There's nuclear fire, pollution destroys us, or we fix all of our problems. This is the kind of stuff that doesn't help us fix our problems. This is the kind of stuff that makes it worse because we are so focused on this woman from Kentucky that we're not talking about the other issues that are going on that really affect us. You and I have talked many times on the air, off the air, about that scientific study that was released a year ago that says we have, re- we have gone past the tipping point environmentally. There is no going back. We have officially screwed the planet up enough that even if we were to all stop using fossil fuels tomorrow, the Earth cannot repair itself. It is now a self-sustaining reaction, right? That's a major issue. We need to be focused on that because our kids and grandkids will be living on a burning cinder. But instead, this woman gets publicity from the from the Republican right, and not even all of Fox News, by the way. Did you see? It wasn't Hannity. Who's who's the the midday guy on Fox News who even came out against her? Did you see that? No. The only other midday person I think would be it wasn't Megan Kelly. Yeah, that's what it was. Shepard. Uh, Shepard Smith on, uh, yeah, on Kim Davis. And it was, uh, let's see if I can find it. I want to see if we can find a transcript of it. But basically, he came out and said, you know, this. he said on Fox News of all places that this woman is, let's see. Here we go. Let me see if I can find a transcript of it real quick because we've actually managed to get the whole hour going here, so that's always good. Um, let's see. And... Here's what Shepard Smith said. Well, they set this up as a religious play again. This is the same crowd that says we don't... Yeah, this is what made him great. And I actually really like Shepard Smith's words, which sentence I never expected to say. This is the same crowd that says we don't want Sharia law. Don't let them come in here and start telling us what to do. Keep their religion out of our lives and out of our government. Well, here we go again. When this started, this lawyer said he needed an accommodation for a woman who wanted one. She said she didn't want her name on a license but for gay people. They couldn't come up with an accommodation, so now they've come up with one. They've let her out of jail, said, all right, you don't have to have your name on there, just put the name of the county on there, and all is done. But it's not what they want. You're hearing now what they want. This is what they want, and this is what they're going to get. They're going to get a stirred-up argument in a couple days of the news cycle. They're going to be able to make these claims. And the truth is, when you get right down to the fundamental of this, the Supreme Court of the United States says that you, cannot, you can't have things being okay for one group of people and not okay for another group of people. This is not unprecedented. They did it when they said that the black... They did it when they said that black and white people couldn't marry. And they said, oh, wait, I guess you can. And now they've said straight and gay people can also get married. You want to get married? Go right at it. The government's not going to get in the way of you anymore, any more than they did in the way of straight people back in the day. But haters are going to hate. And we thought that what this woman wanted was an accommodation, which they've granted her, something that works for everybody. But this is not what they want. This is what they want. The rare moment of clarity from a Fox News anchor. Don't get me wrong, there are still plenty of Fox News stuff in there. But the basic message is good. The, the, that first line is great. This is the same crowd that says we don't want Sharia law. But apparently we're perfectly okay 
with Christian law. Because it's above us? Because they're above us. I don't know, man. Well, we didn't solve anything today, but we at least got our views out there in the world. Did you uh, have anything else you want to talk about with this before we uh, sign off on the show here? Yes, there's something I want to talk to you about. All right, now we're we're changing topics, folks. Let's get on. <clears throat> get in there. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Sting. Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know, occasionally our very political show will, you know, kind of just swing off into wrestling for a few minutes because AJ likes how worked up I get. Uh, I don't. I don't love how they're using Sting right now. I, I've been watching every week since how he came. How much they paying him? A lot. A lot. Because he was on TNA. Yeah. And then, here's what I don't understand about the whole TNA-WWE dynamic. One, I know there is no dynamic. But second, it seems like all the wrestlers that went to WWE went to TNA to start something. To develop whatever they need to develop. And then all of a sudden, they just come back. I saw it with Booker T. Um, who else? I've, I've seen it with a couple of other people. Christian. The Dudley boys are now back. Hey, hey, hey. Do not disparage the Dudleys. I'm not. I like the Dudleys. I think they're one of the better tag teams of all time. They're the greatest tag um, team of all time. What? They're the greatest tag team of all time. They're, they're in my top five. They're the greatest tag team of all time. Continue. They're, at, they're number five. Give me your top four. So you're just, four. Give me the rest of your tag teams. <sighs> Rockers. No. At number four. No. Um, I will give you the three tag teams that can argue to be in there with the Dudleys. What's the that? Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, yes. that's the same thing. Yeah. Um, the old school Freebirds. I'll give you the Freebirds. And Matt and Jeff Hardy. Those are the See, only three. I put the Freebirds like at the six. Fine. But they at least they're in the argument. But the greatest tag team of all time is the Dudleys. Anyway, what I actually don't want to talk to you, listen, I'm not a big fan of how they're using Sting. It's very cartoony. And I see what you're saying with the TNA thing. But let me tell you, did you see or hear about the greatest moment in the history of professional wrestling? No. If I did, I was You like, don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. Did you hear what happened in the final moments of the John Cena-Seth Rollins match for the title? Last night? No, at the last pay-per-view at SummerSlam. You don't know how SummerSlam ended? Let me paint you a picture, AJ, because this was amazing. Sting came out, didn't he? Nope, nope, that was the next night on Raw. Here's what happened at the end of the Seth Rollins-John Cena match. I experienced what can only be described as orgasmic bliss when this happened. They're fighting. They're beating each other up. Seth Rollins is is got John Cena beat and then Cena does his Superman thing and he jumps up with the you know the shoulder block and then the 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 spinning slam and then the the leg drop off the top rope and he gives him the you can't see me and the five knuckle shuffle and the whole deal and Seth Rollins is going to lose the title and all of a sudden what do you hear and John Frickin Stewart from The Daily Show runs down the ramp holding a steel chair, gets into the ring, 
and hits John Cena with it. Puts it down in the middle of the ring. Seth Rollins pedigrees John Stewart onto the steel chair. Triple H's finishing move, ladies and gentlemen. Covers him. One, two, three. John Stewart screwed John Cena out of the WWE title, and I have never experienced a greater moment of entertainment in my life. I will put that up against anything I've ever watched, ever. Because it's two of my worlds colliding to give me the outcome that I've always wanted, which is John Cena being screwed out of the title. And he was screwed out of the title by my favorite comedian alive today. I have, a, I have a hard on right now. That's how it ended? Yep. That is pathetic. The best part is, is when they asked Jon Stewart why, he said it was so that Jon Cena won't tie Ric Flair's titles. <laughs> that was the only reason. I don't care. I don't care. Jon Stewart screwed Jon Cena out of the title. I've never been happier. Ever. I literally started, I laid flat on the ground and started slamming my hand into the ground in tune with the ref. I was so happy. I was with my buddy Paul. He was just, who's not a wrestling fan. And he's just looking at me like, there is something clearly wrong with you. I'm like, John Stewart! And in my head, I created this whole scenario where now John Stewart's the general manager of Raw and just goes with it for eight months. And that's not what happened, but it would have been great. No, I, I just want to hear your thoughts about Sting because it's, it just seems like you, how... Speaking of business, how can one business start repurposing old employees to keep a business going? You know? Well, the best part about it is uh, he's 50-something. They can only go to this. I would say that right now the the, the closest you're ever going to get to this happening again is the Dudleys. Because they're running out of guys from that time period who can come back. Like, right. most of those dudes can't keep coming back. And so they really need to start generating, like, attention-getting stars. Because all those dudes from the late 90s and early 2000s are all getting up into, the, like, their mid-40s now. And most of them can't wrestle. The Dudleys can only do it because they're, the, they're a tag team and doing it so long that they don't need to get beat up as much. They, they do the beating. But, no, those guys are all getting so old now, man, that it's, it's, it's not fun. Even Sting... If you were to come watch him at the pay-per-view, which I think is Sunday night, it's 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 awesome when he comes out, and it's pretty good when he's wrestling. But every once in a while, he goes to, like, flip his hair, and there's just a giant bald spot on the back of Sting's head. And it's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, Sting, Sting. Oh, Sting's old. Oh, Because that's the minute it goes from, like, two wrestlers fighting to, please stop hurting that old man. Please, please stop punching that fifty-five-year-old man in the face. That's the thing. It's like watching the. Under, that's what it feels like watching the Undertaker now. It's like please stop hurting that old man. Well, this is where I, this is where I get torn about WWE. In one sense, I'm like I'm kind of glad that they're still doing it. But you saw the Iron Sheet documentary, didn't you? Yeah, I eventually sat down and watched it. It was very sad. Well, that's the thing. So you have that, and then you have him. Going off and doing what I call sideshow wrestling, where you have him, Jake the Snake Roberts, um, the, I think the, the Butcher yeah. <laughs> still does it. 
You yeah. know why like, Abdullah the Butcher is first of all still alive, and secondly <laughs> allowed to wrestle is is beyond me. So I mean, but they're doing that, and that's almost like even sad, more sad. No, that's sadder. The thing with Sting is he like he was gone from TNA for a year and a half before he came back, and they're just kind of doing. I think part of the reason they're doing this is the pay per view this Sunday is Night of Champions, which is the old WCW pay per view. Okay. So I think that's part of the reason why he's doing it, and I don't know. I'm okay with it. It's more entertaining than most of the other stuff, and it makes my roommate Pat, who's a big Sting fan when he was a kid, like he's really into that storyline just because it's Sting. And even he's like, like, there's a whole thing going on where Sting stole Seth Rollins' statue. Yeah. And that's basically the whole feud. Like that's what the feud is about. It's not about anything else. It's about the fact that Sting stole his statue. Well, he destroyed it. Sure, in a garbage. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's not good. It's just fun because it's Sting. But the truth is, the, the only guy I really care about at this point is Brock Lesnar. I, I'm a total mark right now for Brock Lesnar. I like watching him wrestle and hurting small people because it's fun to watch Brock Lesnar throw people. No, it's not. It's not fun. It is fun. Listen, I know that you have this. Receiving end of him. You have. I know, and it's it's fun to watch it. I would love to watch Brock Lesnar German suplex you. No. If I if I was saw him, I would run the other way. That's I was joking with Especially that. after I did the hell. So Saturday night I watched I had a bunch of friends over. We watched not a like not to watch that. We were watching college football, but the last game ended and it was right as the Mayweather fight from this sat- last Saturday was going into the main event. So we sat around and we watched uh we watched the Mayweather fight, and then we got us into the discussion of, like, who would you least want to fight kind of thing. You there? Yeah. Okay. Your picture stopped moving on the Skype. That's why I asked. Uh, I'm just standing still. Um, but we started getting into the whole thing, and I was like, well, you know, there are people who are dangerous. Randy I'm like, but there's only one person on the planet who I think is the most dangerous person if you were to meet in an alley, and he wanted to hurt you. And they're like, cool. I'm like, it's Brock Lesnar. They're like, oh, yeah, no, that's true. It's like, yeah. If there's one, who is the, like Mike Tyson for the longest time, who's the baddest man on the planet? I don't think it's Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather fights like a wimp and backs away from every punch. I want to see Brock Lesnar get his hands on Floyd Mayweather and just grab him and then do things. Terrible, terrible things. Like just with the throwing and, and, and the just I'm, Brock Lesnar and I'm going to murder you and please do anything within your power to stop me. It would be fun to watch. When he's what, six five, six six? I think six six, three hundred and twenty five <laughs> pounds of muscle. So when he was two eighty at the time in college, and when he just picked me up and I was like over his shoulder. Like I said, like and you're like, I didn't like, even get a chance to fight this off. Like, he just chose he was going to do it and did it. Well, that's the thing. And I was, like, 210 at the time. <clears throat> he picks me up, and I know what's going to Because he's showing everybody how to, like, slam people, you know? Yeah. He, and he told me, he goes, he goes, you know, I won't hurt you badly. Like, okay. Even the most delicate way he could do it still hurt. You know, he's the guy in, in the Grapes of Wrath. You know, he doesn't know his own strength. Right. He's Lenny. He's Lenny from Of My Sister so, Man. <laughs> Where am I going to get to pet, pet the rat this fall? All right. Hey, AJ, man, you're starting to break up here on the uh, interweb thing. So I'm like, come back. 
Alright, man. You're uh, completely breaking up here, so I'm gonna... I'm gonna hang up on you and call you back to end this. You there? I'm here. Okay, I'm leaving the video thing off, hoping maybe that was the issue. We're still recording from before. I'm going to edit out the little gap there. So, okay. I'm just going to, let's, let's just go to an ending just to be safe about this. And uh, so, I'm going to cut down three, two, one. Okay. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been, uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty right there at the end of the show. Got AJ back on here, though, to say goodbye. Thank you, man, for doing the Skype thing Thank with you. me. This has been fun, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Podcast Network presents to you Out Front with AJ and Nick. I'll give you top billing. It's your show name. So... <laughs> That has been our show. This has been our podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on the Podcast Addict app. Uh, we've got a website. We've got all the other stuff, chicagopodcastnetwork.com. Uh, you can find us that way. All other sort of fun things. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back hopefully in a couple days with another show. AJ, thank you so much for being here. Anything to say to the people before you leave? Anything to say to the people, AJ? Nope, just everyone be safe. All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, we like to end, I always like to end my show with this little ditty. That's, that's Life by Frank Sinatra. We'll be back, ladies and gentlemen, in a few days with another show. This has been Nick Sorrentos and AJ Signari on Out Front, the Chicago Podcast Network. Goodbye. This has been a production of the Chicago Podcast Network theme music provided by the Free Music Archive, Morning Blue by Josh Woodward. That's Josh Woodward on the Free Music Archive. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.